Welcome to the CBGS podcast. I'm not Drew Armstrong. I'm Ben Elfin. I'm with that, Paul that was, Waits. That's very obvious from his very understated introduction there, I think. Um, but Drew isn't with us, and I think it's, it's worth a mention as he's been on just about every podcast that you've every podcast that you've done. Yeah, I think so. He's travelling. In, in Peru. In Peru. Visiting shaman and smoking weed. And, uh, and playing music, I believe. Having, having a great time, I'm sure. I'm sure. I hope he is. But we're here today. We're, again, we're on the road recording this at the Donington Valley Golf Club. It's always mm-hmm. good to picture surroundings. It's, it's a lovely room, actually, that we're in. Uh, again, we were, <laughs> we were here a couple of weeks ago in the hotel. Old-fashioned room. I love a golf club, I have to say. They, they bring character mm. to, a, to a venue. And today on the podcast, I'm really excited to be talking about this because it was news that came into us last week. Two weeks ago. That we've made the top 100 yeah. of accountancy firms in the UK, which yeah. is absolutely fantastic. I've got so yeah. many questions uh, on this, but I'm going to start by just asking for you personally, when you, when you heard that, what did that mean to Maybe you? Maybe cry. Seriously. I was, it got a bit emotional, to be honest with you. Obviously, when you've, um, I don't know if you appreciate this, but having been in business for 26 years and three months and... Uh, probably for the first six years would not be untrue to say that almost every day was a trial you know so there was there was some fear in me all the time so to sit there and think and for instance you know one of the things that happened quite early on actually because I did somehow manage to get some you know some quite um superb pieces of work you know working for quoted companies and um I attracted the attention of a very large firm called Smith and Williamson very early on in my, probably in the third year, and Smith & Williamson um, made an offer to me to become a partner in their firm. They're about 10th biggest at the time. Yeah. Uh, and I wrote a letter, which I, afterwards I said, I, I, I basically wrote a letter and I said, I'm unemployable. You know, I can't, I couldn't, I don't think I could work with you even as a partner because, you know, uh, and, I, and it was almost like I couldn't help myself but write the letter. And of course, when 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 something happened, and, and probably at some point, I'm not, I can't remember exactly in history, but at some point, uh, I probably did sit there, you know, with this sort of fantasy about what it might be like to have a firm myself that could become a top 100 company. But, but then, of course, reality sets in, and if if we were having this conversation seven years ago, say. Uh, I would have laughed at you. If you'd said to me, uh, in seven years' time, Paul, you're going to click on your computer, look to see, you can see that the Accountancy Age Top 100 has just been published, and you're in as a new entry at, at 96, uh, I, I would have not... I, and you said, so what's, what's the odds of that? I would have probably said, you know, incalculable odds. That's likely as me jumping to the sun in three minutes' time or something, you know? I think for especially talking about this today, we need to put this into context for people that perhaps listening to this podcast as a one-off or have joined us on this podcast. And a little bit about the background of Aspen Weight and when that started. So Aspen Weight started in August 1993, uh, and I was literally, literally uh, on my own. So I literally made the tea, typed on Saturday mornings in my tracksuit. Uh, I used to come to work on Saturday and do all my typing. Um, and probably within three months, we became four of us, I guess. Uh, I turned over £78,400 my first year. I can remember that much. The thing that was quite staggering, actually, is 
I think, if I remember rightly, in my previous firm, uh, my last year's billings were about 300,000. And I made more profit in Aspen Weight on 78,000 than I did in another firm on 300. Wow. And I can remember looking at my first year's accounts and thinking, that's all right, isn't it? It was something like £57,000 profit it was or something, you know. And that was... And that was all mine. And that was accountancy. That was how yeah. it started, just as, as a firm accountancy. Charter, as a sole practitioner chartered accountant. Um, budgeted to do £45,000 of sales and did 78400 And then the second year went up to something like 120 or something. And then... The business as we know it today has, has obviously progressed. So, at what point did you did it change from being a chartered accountant to Welcome, wanting to do? We've got a few people coming in today. We should just point that out right now. And there's a, there's a few people that are going to be poking their heads uh, in the door as we do this, <laughs> and we'll try and talk to them on the podcast. Yeah, that'd be good. A little bit later, we've got some uh, some great people in the room from Aspen Weight. But at what point did you did you have that? I'm obviously summarising this very shortly at yeah. the beginning of this podcast, but you said, I'm not going to be a chartered accountant, so I'm going to really... Well, I, no, I think, I think, you know, I think the best way to look at it is... Um, the, the, way, the way I tend to describe it to people is, you know, I am, I am, you know, I am still a qualified chartered accountant, and uh, the breadbasket, as I call it, of Aspen Weight is, 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 is based on uh, a chartered accountancy firm. And, and I think it's true to say that being a firm of chartered accountants does also give Aspen Weight quite a, a high degree of credibility uh, and allows you to position yourself in a, in a manner that you wouldn't be able to do as, a, as an unregulated person. So effectively, we, we grew to uh, a size of about a million pounds turnover. We, I, I, think it's, I think it's right in saying for the first, first 18 years or so, uh, I worked out that the compound growth was 20% for 18 years. And then uh, the last recession hit us, and we 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 didn't cope with it very well. Mainly because of a, a very humanitarian thing I did after my best client got killed, and I basically sacrificed Aspen Wake to run uh, this business for two years. Which uh, I remember one of my clients saying to me, "The what does he say? The ship needs the captain at the tiller," uh, and and I was not spending a lot of time at the tiller, so. For the first time ever, uh, the turnover went backwards, so it went back 50 grand, probably say from 1.1 to 1.05 or something. And I, and I got a quite a low ebb, you know, marginally depressed, I suppose, not really not sure what to do. Um, and then the sort of inner resolve, which always wins with me, came, it came in. And I, and I had this eureka moment, which was that I needed to work with non-accountants if I was going to be successful. And then I basically spent over a year stumbling around not quite doing that right because I didn't meet the right people you know and uh, but I kept I kept at it I believed in uh, the professional services company idea and um, and then I guess to some extent uh, one of the ladies that's joining us today uh, I met a lady called Samantha Clyde who was uh, the subject of a of an award-winning documentary in Channel 4 I think when she was a young entrepreneur had had a very painful time at the hands of a, of a, a sort of dragon-type person. Uh, and when I met her, uh, she was a, a coach, but uh, an expert in building partnerships. Uh, her, her husband became a client of mine. He's a very top like, motor, uh, motor racing engineer. And because she's very inquisitive, she wanted to talk to me about R&D tax credits because I started to do them quite significantly. 
and we got on and she asked me what I was trying to do and I was telling her all about my my ideas which are actually very it's quite interesting actually I was sitting there thinking you know relating spoke up my own you know self-congratulating myself um the ideas I had even six years ago when I sat down with her are brilliant ones today they're still and they're still ahead of the market you know and I had them six years ago so I was talking to her about building partnerships with other accountants being a mothership supplying a range of advisory services to other people this sort of thing you know and I said to her you know using the sort of football analogy I said you know I was getting tired or I couldn't score the goals save the goals create the goals and I needed someone to believe in me and to help me with my ideas and she said very nonchalantly I can do that and literally you know from our relationship I just just felt right so I just said okay then and we just got on with it and within probably four weeks, probably within four weeks of that meeting, uh, I was standing up uh, as one of the key speakers at a business growth, growth service event in Southampton with perhaps 150 people in the room. Uh, one of the top people in the business growth service in the whole country was in the room. She said it was the best presentation she'd seen that year. Put out a national tweet, because I'm a cheeky, as you know, by 10 o'clock that night, I'd managed to get all the rights to using BGS logos and brand stuff to enhance Asperweight's site and uh, became the chosen speaker on R&D for, basically for the government, I suppose you could say, purely because Sam managed to get me in there and, I, and obviously I was good enough to, to land it. And then I guess the journey then from then to now has just been one of, um, um, I think one of the words I use a lot is courage, having the courage to follow my nose, to, to say, yeah, I'm, I'm doing this and it's the right thing to do. And one thing I would notice is is that I think uh, with success becomes even greater confidence and so you become even more relaxed. Yes, again, you know, my relationship with yourself and perhaps Oksana would be good examples of that. Um, there's no doubt yesterday we had, a, we had a group website meeting yesterday and I'd have to say that I thought I was the best I've ever been in a meeting. I've never been in a meeting and been so responsively brilliant, if that doesn't sound too egotistical, you know. I can't let you go on without asking a little bit more about that, because I think that's important. So what, 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 in what way, because of the experiences you had, and we're, we're going to talk about a few more in a moment, but that to say that that moment was, was it where you felt your best or where you performed your best? Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, you know I, I, I think um, personally, I think it's important for anyone, you know, if you're a, an aspiring um golfer, footballer, cyclist, uh, businessman, um, graduate or whatever, uh, to me, I think it's very important that you self-analyse as well. So I'm very self-analytical, self-critical. Absolutely, yeah. You know, so um, I am capable of looking at myself and thinking about what mood I'm in, why am I in that mood, what's made me feel like that, that sort of thing. And sometimes you just have to say, you go into meetings and you just, you are on fire. You know, you just know you are. There's no point pretending you're not, you know. And I was on fire yesterday. It was just um, every time, you know, there was an issue, I was coming back within seconds and saying, well, why don't we say this? Why don't we do that? No, that's not right. We should do that. You know, that doesn't look right. You know, and it was just full on all through the meeting. And I just thought, you know, that I, I would say it was a creative high in my life. And I would put, if you said to me, why do I think that is? I think it comes down to confidence. It's confidence, success, and... Um, but also the confidence that goes with knowing that something is working you know the message is well received I, I actually 
totally get my business now. I totally understand what it is I'm trying to do, what people want, and I find it easy to think of nice, easy ways to brand that, I suppose. And going back to that moment two weeks ago when we made the top 100, yeah. you'd, you'd have to say, when you, you looked at it, that, that given that moment, and you said you shed a tear, and the yeah. confidence that that would have given you, is probably why you, yesterday we were sitting in that meeting on that high as well, having, having really... I, want to say, I wouldn't want to say having something affirmed for you that you were, okay, I've, I've reached this position, but you've been through a lot. We talked about the journey on the podcast before, but that moment was such significance two weeks ago. Yeah, undoubtedly. I mean, it's, it's I suppose, you know, um, it would be wrong to say, although I am a confident person, as you know, and I do believe in myself, for instance, I have very little self-doubt in terms of what I am, I'm able to do or not able to do. Um, you know, one of the things that would probably surprise people, I had, have spent quite a large part of my professional career thinking that I was a bit odd. If you know, that I, I, wondering whether people, how people took me because I'm not normal, you know, I don't, I don't behave like you would expect someone in my position to behave. And so there has been, you know, there, there are times when you'd sit there and think, well, you know, do people think, even do people think, can they see the intelligence through the eccentricity, perhaps, you know? Um, and I think, you know, one of, one of, one of the things um, that's been developing very sustainedly, actually, probably since I met Samantha in particular, because that's a defining period, is I've become increasingly process-driven over that period. So I think probably, to some extent, the pool that I've just mentioned doesn't exist anymore. The pool that exists today is an incredibly focused, driven professional who can still have a laugh I mean I, you know I was still cracking jokes in the meeting yesterday but there's an underlying seriousness about it you know and resolve um, and I think that that defines and so I think I think actually to some extent um, getting into the top 100 was obviously in itself it's incredibly incredibly noteworthy I mean it was interesting, you know, my, I had a coaching session yesterday with, and I, I think my coach is as good as anyone in the world, John Holden. And I think one of the reasons I, I, I respect him so much is he's not your normal coach. You know, he's actually been um, at the top of the international tree at HSBC. You know, so he, he's been there, done it. You know, he can relate to, to what I'm trying to do, etc. you know. And um, you now I think that... Uh, You know, what did he say? He said to me, uh, I, I showed him an email that I'd, I'd been sent um, from a guy in Ibis World in reaction to the top 100 thing. And he said, you know, wow, you know, we noticed you coming in. Uh, I've been his, because of seeing this firm come from nowhere. You know, I've checked you out. I've read your book. I've done, you know, it was, it was really fascinating. And, and John said to me, he said, you're, you know, you are, he said, you are a, a, an exciting story. And he said, you know, one thing you mustn't have, because he's always, he's always, one of the things he criticises me for is I don't have enough um, value of myself, if that makes sense. I don't yes, value my yeah. own time enough, you know. I don't, I let people mess me around more than I should, considering who I am, you know. Um, and he said, you know, and he said to me, you know, I think this is the point, you know, about coming back to the pride and getting to the top 100. And he said, you know, let's make no mistake, it is, it is the Paul Wake story. It isn't anybody else's story. You know, you got to the top 100 because of you. You didn't get into the top 100 because of you and four other, you know, partners. 
you know, you've got to the top 100 because of what you've done, you know. And I think, you know, that, that, that you know, probably is true. And so obviously there's a, a, a large amount of pride in that. And also, I guess, one of the things I've, I've admitted, you know, when I stand up in front of uh, the team in the strategy events, and you've been to one now, uh, there's always a part of me that thinks that some of the people in the room probably think I'm a bit barking or what I'm trying to achieve is not necessarily achievable. So I think to some extent, it's like, yes, he told you, you know. I mean, I, you know, so it wasn't a surprise. It, it, was, it was only a surprise we got in the top 100. I was actually surprised we got there in this year. You know, I, I thought we were probably around 103, 4 sort of thing. I was very confident, if you see the, the, the document I produced for today, for instance, you know, in two years' time, we are going to be about 57. And there's, no, there's no doubt in my mind. If you said to me how confident am I of that, I would say as near 100% as I could be. In fact, if I was going to have a bet on it, it would be we would be higher than 57, not below lower than 57. Right, so I, could... I was going to say it's really good that you've mentioned that because we're going to talk about the, the aims and the goals in a moment. But what I'm really interested in is to make the top 100, to give you the confidence that you've you've grown over the last few years and looking at where we're going to go in the next few years. Go back to that point where you said you'd the growth had gone backwards. Yeah. You were a bit unsure. You, you were a bit down. You mentioned the word yeah. depressed. Yeah. When people are listening to this podcast, there are going to be so many aspiring um, entrepreneurs and yep. people that want to achieve half of what you've achieved in business. It's so easy to say to people, you've just got to keep going. You've got, to, you've got to have that drive and that passion. You've got to just always believe in yourself. Those, mm -hmm. are, those are sort of cliches that are banded around. Yeah. But what, what is it really, what do you really need when you're in your position to press pull it's going backwards. It's really hard. What what really happens at that moment to get to where you've got to today? Um, well, you know, so without doing a plug, you know, in my first book, I, I talk about this very honestly. You know, I would say there's actually no one single thing. I mean, I think the thing, the, the, the single concept that shaped Aspen Wake's 26 years would be fear of failure. So sitting there and thinking, my turnover's gone backwards for the first time. What are you going to do about it? Do you really want to fail? You know, at that time, probably had well over a million pounds of debt, you know, with the bank. Um, having to make 14, 15,000 pounds a month profit just to stand still. Quite a scary place to be. Not wanting to fail and, you know, and, and give up. And I think, um, so I think, I think um, that, is, that is very powerful. But I think, you know, ultimately, you know, all the things you just said, the cliches you were talking about, I think that that clearly, you know, uh, things like hard work, not giving up, resilience, commitment, all that sort of thing, are are incredibly important. And probably determination and hard work, hard work would be more important than talent, for instance. But when all said and done, again, go back to my you know analogy about tennis player, golfer, footballer, you have to have talent. One thing that Aspenweight has always had, I think, is we've always been a best kept secret. So what I mean by that is we were always good enough to be at the top table. We just didn't know enough people to buy our services to do it. And of course, what's, what's happened, you know, which is why you exist to some extent I mean, yes. in the world of Aspen Weight, you know, is one of the things I was really pleased about with not just the top 100 entry, but also some of the reaction I got to that from people I didn't know sending me emails of congratulation and saying, you know, how inspiring it was to read certain things that I had said, you know. Um, it, it, it underlined 
reinforced, if you like, um, that the things I were doing were working. You know, it, it was right that I started to write books. It was good that I started doing podcasts. You know, all those sort of things. Because, because they're being noticed and they work. You mentioned hard work and, and the fear of failure, which we've, we've talked about before on the last couple of podcasts, and it's a really interesting point. But when you sat there, perhaps at that point, maybe around those couple of years when it was difficult, the aspirations that you talk about today, and I know you talk about them in much more confidence, but were they there? Were, no. were, did you, they, weren't, they weren't anything to do with, well, this is where I'm going to be. No, not, not really, no. I'd, I'd say, I'd say it would be more true to say... Um, am I still going to be around in a year's time then I'm going to be at the top of the mountain. And is that good advice then for somebody who's perhaps in that position where Paul was many years ago to actually say, well, and, I, and I'm sure people do this where they put, right, well, I'm going to be at the top of the mountain. Is it, is it better advice to say, look, actually think of surviving, think of getting through the next year? Um, I, think, I think it's generally accepted that um, anybody who sets up a, sets up a business uh, because they plan to be at the top of the mountain probably isn't going to get to the top of the mountain. Uh, so I think what's, what's, what is the single most important thing is to actually build a business with services that people, enough people want to buy and where, you have a, where they're clearly defined. And that's why I say that's why I think what's happening now is so exciting. Because if you if you take that period we're talking about, it was pretty much you know a very reactive culture. Um, you know, let's get from one day to the next. But also that underlying resilience. And I guess you know I'm probably not the right person to be to be commenting on this. But I've always been the sort of person you know even when I remember uh, my graduation day at university. And I can remember, and this would be a common thing that people would have said about me at 18, 21, 31, and 51, is Paul's the sort of person you're throwing in a load of shit and he comes out smelling of roses, you know? Um, or people would say, um, it doesn't matter what he does, he's going to be successful. So probably some people would turn around and say, uh, and, and I think you need, to, you need to go through a 25-year business cycle to see the ups and downs. So to some extent, it's probably almost impossible to get to where I've got to today without having that near failure moment. Do you think do you think on the back of that, do you think a lot of people that are in business perhaps don't realise that you do need not always, but a lot of the time, like you say, you need to go through a twenty year cycle to perhaps to get where where you want to be and sometimes it won't be for the the fault of the desire, but the business might not work. But on other occasions maybe people do give up on stuff too easily and they go for five six years but actually when you look at aspen weight the time it's taken to get to this point yeah no, no, i think i think i think i think it's an interesting one i mean um as a as a, a, a high quality business advisor myself and someone that's helped lots of other businesses to be successful i think that you know one thing i could say is there is no proven formula so for instance one of the things that you'll hear me say quite often is that um Probably consistency, for instance, is much more important than type of character. So people who are complete bastards can be successful. What I would suggest, though, is they don't want to be a bastard one day and nice the next. If they're bastards all the time, that's probably all right, you know. I think probably looking, looking back on it, you know, what came into my mind when I was listening to you then is, although it doesn't seem like it at the time, obviously I started off Aspen when I was 33 years old. 
Now, when you're 33 years old, you think you're quite old, don't you? You, you, you do you think mean? you've got a bit of experience, don't you? you think, yeah. Well, I, I don't think you sit there thinking, I'm 33, I'm young. Obviously, now at 59, 33 is a baby to me. Uh, and, and I think possibly um, possibly what, what happens is... So I think probably... I was too young, probably, to... Well, certainly on my own. I think... If, I think if 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 I'd started off on my own with say a mentor or a a, a strong person or say even a, a a a backer, then maybe what I'm going to say would be different. But I think because because I was on my own and I basically had to go from the bottom of the mountain ultimately to get somewhere near the top of the mountain. I think it took you know we were talking then so you take people like Branson Sugar these people have all failed. I actually didn't fail. I came close to failure, but I didn't fail. So I, I, I do wonder whether you need uh, to, to, to accumulate, you know, that rack of experience before you actually become the wise man. And then say, like now, I, think, I feel like I, I really get it. You know, I, 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 I see things. I think, that, you know, one of the things I've talked about before is the thing that the single biggest thing I now get is actually that life is simple, but you don't realise it is. And actually trying to keep everything as simple as you can is actually the, the key. I think it's interesting that you mention that um, because, as you know, and we were uh, involved last year, we've got a few people coming in the room. We should just say hello to. We can hear some, just some, the noise of the creak of the door in the background of the, uh, <laughs> of the golf club. But we've, we're in here today um, for a meeting. We've got some you got mentioned just now. interesting people coming in. We've got a few. Uh, I don't, do you want any introductions at this stage? We want to introduce. We've got a few people coming in. Just so to... we've, 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 I think we've mentioned. Um, so Samantha Clyde's walked in, um, uh, who we were talking about about fifteen minutes ago, and Oksana Artiomenko, who was actually doing the podcast with us in um, the hotel two or three weeks ago, four weeks ago, was it? And all looking a little bit worried, as if to say, don't, don't, we want, don't want to be on the podcast. Don't come to us for questions. But I think which Sam was going to sing her new song, wasn't she? Yeah, that's um, coming up at the end of the podcast today. We'll, we'll be, uh, <laughs> stick around for that. We've just, we've just mentioned about the business. We really want to go back now to the, um, the top 100. And I just want to, you to explain to people exactly what that is and what that means in the world of accountancy and business because there'll be people listening that are not quite sure the, of the significance, perhaps, although we've talked about it, of that. So um, I'm not entirely sure what the, the numbers are, but uh, I would imagine, I think there's something like, 23,000 professional accountancy firms in the country just to put that into perspective it was quite interesting because um, you know, I, was, I was talking about the group website meeting yesterday and Shane Griffiths who's um, the, the contractor we've been using to build the website with us, he, he sent an email out while I was on holiday and said rather dismissively um, I don't know why you keep trumping on about um, being in the top five four times in the last five years you know if you'd won, I'd understand it. And I said, excuse me, there's 23,000 firms in the UK. We've been in the top five four times in the last five. If you don't think that's something to be, you know, singing about, I really don't know what is, you know? That puts it into perspective. Those kind of numbers are exactly what I was talking about for people to understand that how big a thing that actually is. Yeah, so we, we are now... Um, so, so let's put it this way. There's, there's something like... You know, best part of 23,000 firms s- smaller than us in terms of turnover, which is um, so. You know, if you took that into percentages, um, so that that's one 
you know, something like we're in the top 0.001% in, in size. I mean, just, just, um, just for interest, the accountancy market is worth £17 billion in the UK. And of that £17 billion, something like £13 billion is generated by the top four firms. It's quite incredible, isn't it? That is incredible, yeah. So the top four firms generate, uh, you know, 80-something percent of um, total UK revenues. So to put it in perspective, to get into the top 100, you have to turn over about £5 million. Pounds. And, and then to, sort of top 50, you're looking at 14 million, something like that. And then to get in the top 30, you'll be looking at 30, 40 million. So my, my aim is to come in at about 25 on around 45 million. That's, that's the aspiration. That really puts, um, certainly puts it. As if Perry Lewis does his job properly, of course, and, and um, managed to get the Tottenham Hotspur brand out in there in the UK. So we've got a few, we mentioned we've got a few people joining us from Aspen Way. There's a meeting here today at Donington uh, Golf Club, which is a fantastic venue. This is where we're recording the podcast. Don't forget any comments uh, that you have on the podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, uh, you can do that um, via uh, social media and leave your comments um, for the podcast. We'll read some out uh, on the next one. I want, want to ask where we're going with Aspen Way. We've talked today about the fantastic achievement about getting into the top 100. We're going to talk about the business and growth in the future. Before I do that, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here oh because when we talk about the successes and where you've come from, everybody always wants a good story, a, a sort of a small anecdote of perhaps a moment that was, I don't know, something that was a turning point, something that was a, 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 maybe a bit of luck. Is there anything you can think of particularly over the years, having now achieved what you've achieved in the last couple of weeks and breaking into the top 100? Is there any, any moment where you look back on Maybe it's something funny you look back on and think, if that wouldn't have happened, then... Well, um, I mean, I actually said, to be fair, you know, without, without um, giving unnecessary praise, uh, I would, the, the single biggest moment was actually unexpectedly meeting Samantha. That was the single biggest defining moment of change, you know. Uh, and then probably, if one, if one was looking, if one was looking um, at a wider thing to that... Um, Aspen Waste itself was only born out of a confrontational situation. I am, by nature, a, a very loyal person, and what often happens to me is someone has to do something to me to break a relationship. You know I mean, I'm not the person that does it. What's happened every time it's happened to me is I've come out smelling of roses, as we were talking about earlier. So yeah. actually, I didn't want to be on my own. I, I, went, I, I formed Aspen Waste out of pride because I was told to behave in a manner and I said I'm not going to do that that's it that's exactly what I wanted perfect that, 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 so that's Aspen Wake was formed not because I thought I was a clever entrepreneur or anything it was no I'm not no one talks to me like that I'm not going to do I'm not going to conform to what you've said I refuse I actually went home and nearly had a nervous breakdown true shaking in my bed for about an hour because my bravery was greater than my mental strength I suppose you'd say you know uh, and that's why, you know, four, four days afterwards, I used to go to work and I was terrified. You know, so for people to sit there and think it's really, you know, easy to go form a business and it's all plain sailing is not true. That's why, you know, the older I've got, that's why I use, you hear me use the word courage a lot. You know, being courageous in business is incredibly important. I love that. Um, the, my bravery 
uh, was greater than my mental strength. And that, you can, it gives you that. It gives you an image of exactly how tough that was. So yeah, I, I like that. Well, it's true, you know. So yeah. Well, let's talk about the growth from this point. We've talked about the, the past, the achievement, and we sat in a, in a room today, which is going to be talking about at the future of Aspen Weight. Mm-hmm. Sitting here now with all the experience, and as you say, feeling more confident than you've ever felt, and having achieved what we've just achieved. How do you? How do you see the future? We, we actually put a figure on it um, about 10 minutes ago, but how do you see the next couple of years? I think, I think the word has to be exciting, doesn't it? Probably better, a better way to put that is it, from this point, more confident than you've ever been. You've mentioned sitting as a different pool, actually looking at it now and thinking, well, this is so achievable because of wh- where I've come from. I know that this is going to be done. But Samantha would be, quite, if you don't mind, Samantha... Samantha would be quite a good person to bring in at this point because um, she doesn't suffer from not being able to tell the truth. So um, I almost said I, a moment ago, let's bring Samantha in, just just a moment ago. But this is a great point. Because yeah, obviously, on over. Sam would Sam Sam would have a very clear view on the difference between uh, the pool you first met and the pool now. It's oh, clearly yes. much more process driven than you are, and teaches you <laughs> every day on how to behave properly. Is it Sam or Samantha? Which is Sam. Sam. Samantha, just when you've been bad, is that okay? If you take the microphone off of Paul, so really interesting this because Paul has mentioned you on several occasions as a as a real sort of eureka moment and a turning point. Tell us a little bit about the moment that you you met Paul. Well, I met Paul because um, my husband had um, a potential claim to do with R and D that I had no idea about, and I decided to come along. I arranged the meeting, went along. Um, found out about why he would be able to have a claim and then asked Paul what he was doing with the business. And he said, well, it's a business that I want to grow because it's very small at the moment. It's a side, side business. I want to grow it, but I don't have anyone to do it. And being a partnership specialist, I said, I can do that and we won't need a sales team. Nearly the same words as me. And so when you, and when you met Paul, then the, uh, you instantly thought, like, this is the, I can work with this person and this is going to be brilliant. Yeah, because did there's... You think, did you think it was going to be brilliant? Can you, can you remember that? Yeah, because I went home from the meeting with Nigel and um, what you'd said to him, which was obviously um, a, a breath of fresh air in terms of an incentive that, was there that most people didn't know about. Coming from a coaching background, there was a huge amount of coaches I knew that would be able to add this value to their clients. So I went back, had a think about it, thought about what had been said, and then we had a discussion, we had another meeting, and we looked at what the possibilities were. Up to that point, Paul would only ever worked with the people in his office, never worked with well, anyone yeah, remotely. No non-accountants, really, I guess. No non-accountants, no one remotely, no one 200 miles away. I said, it doesn't matter where I am, I can help you grow the business and we won't need to pay a sales team to do it. And right now, having made the top 100 accountancy firms and being in the position that we're in today with the, the visions of the future, how proud do you feel? How, how does it feel oh, for you oh, now? Yeah, very proud because obviously it's, um, it's a vision... That I, that I had based on what Paul had wanted to do. And um, having done it for, very, for a lot of companies, from small companies up to corporates, I knew that it would, it would work. It's not like having a marketing initiative or a marketing budget and going out and spending something you have no idea about. When you know a market and you know a business and businesses need to grow and they need money, 
and there's a way to get it for them. And I, I should have asked, I like, we like to do things slightly differently, but I was just going to get you to say what your role is in Aspen Weight. Now, obviously, we know, but um, for people listening... What... Well, I don't make very good tea, put it that way. OK, that's, that's, uh, that's all we need <laughs> yeah, to say. Sam, Sam, Sam has uh, obviously um, has proven now that um, uh, not only is she a partnership specialist, but she has um, demonstrated true success. But, you know, like I have in a, in a unique fashion, I'd like to think. You know, we are a unique business our model is unlike any other firms in fact um i I, i've said this many times i I actually believe that our model is incapable of replication because the circumstances that would lead to someone being able to replicate what we were doing just could not exist and that's why and bringing back to our point the future the next few years it's you, you mentioned exciting but there's a there's a real belief in the, in the vision. Well, I think you know what what what's happened is if you take if you take the meeting with Sam, you, I'm not saying it was naive, but yeah, you, you had um, if you like if you if you, were, if you were I was walking down a road. It was a conventional road that led to you know uh, the city, say you know because that's where uh, business is is dominated, and then um, because of the unique combination of Waite and Clyde. We, I, Aspen Wake was able to go into um, government stroke coaching, uh, a cul-de-sac or whatever you want to call it, um, and access a market which an accountancy firm had never and was never able to go down other than our own. And I guess if you probably, you know, going back to the thing about success, I mean, one of the things which we laughed about yesterday, but uh, is people have said to me many times you don't know what no means do you you don't know what no means um i think that's a very important characteristic so i think if you've got that attitude where personally and corporately you believe that anything and everything is possible you know then it's quite a good start now what's actually happened is from the moment that sam and i first met you know, when I say it's naive, the, what, the reason you might use naive is because we didn't necessarily know how we were going to build the business to, to becoming the top. So I don't think, you know, I don't know about Sam, but I don't think we would have sat there and said, oh, we're going to be 97th biggest in six years' time or something. Nor would we necessarily have known which messages were the ones that were best received or not best received and so on and so forth. So I think what has what is, what is really happened really, really quickly, actually, is... At some point in the last year, I've to- everything's just f- totally fallen into place. To totally understand the market, what people want, what, how to position it. So when I go into a meeting, I know exactly what to say. One of the things, one of my sayings is, don't leave anything in the locker room. Go and see a new client. What's the point of leaving something in the locker room? You know, that's foolish, isn't it? So I don't do that, you know. So it's, 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 it's actually knowing all the things that you, you need to all the soldiers you need to bring out onto the battlefield to do it, you know, and, and, and now, you know, what, what exciting, and, and again, you know, sort of going back, if you go back to the thing about um, people listening and, and perhaps um, hope, hopefully inspiring people and giving them guidance, even now, let's, let's take, let's take, um, so if we take the room at the moment, we've got Oksana and yourself, um, who both joined Aspen Weight in the last month, I think I was right to say. Um, now, while you are both in your own right incredibly talented people you know almost on a worldwide stage 
it would be totally wrong to say that there was no percent of Paul that also didn't have some fear behind that. Of course. Do you understand that? Yeah, absolutely. Sure, that's money. Yeah. Do I really want to spend that? You know, you know, crikey, that means I've got to turn over another... Now, these are all things that people think, you know. So it doesn't mean to say that I don't believe that we're going to turn over £50 million, but as well as recruiting a new person, I sit there and I think, crikey, that person's going to cost me this much money. I've got to turn over another £15,000 a month now to, to, to do that. Is that yeah? fear lessened by the confidence experience? Yes, yeah, obviously, because ultimately um, you believe what you believe, don't you? So I wouldn't produce that paper if I didn't believe it was right. But it, it, it doesn't mean to say, I mean, there is a part of me, that I'm sure, I don't know whether other people would admit to this, there, there is a part of Paul that is a scared little boy, for instance, you know? So I can be a very strong man, uh, and I can also be a scared little boy. Both those people are alive in Paul. Um, the time when I'm cycling on my bike, for instance, I feel no different to when I cycled on my bike when I was 14. I feel like a, you know, I feel like the same person. Do you know what I mean? So I think you, you have different parts of your personality, which um, you know you have the conscious, the subconscious, the fears, the whatever. So what I'm saying is, is it, it would be that's why again, courage is it, it's, it's turning around and saying actually, um, you know, I am I am I am going to turn over 50 million pounds. And I'm not going to turn over £50 million unless uh, I've got this fantastic opportunity because this guy, Ben Oldham, actually, for some reason, wants to work with me. Crikey, I hadn't thought about that. What, but what could that do? Actually, that means I can now do all these things, yeah? So that's going to make... make so, for instance, take the corporate finance business today. The corporate finance business, its, its road to success is going to be that much easier because of you. Because we can produce videos and have a presence on social media and stuff that we wouldn't have had without that investment so it's having the inner belief and that's why you know I've, I've stood up many times in 26 years and said what's going to happen and known that possibly in some cases the majority of the people in the room would think I'm barking mad but actually I've, I've been right so you, you know the, so the overriding thing is there might be the scared little boy but actually the the, the determining factor of me is the courageous one that says, no, I am going to do that. We are going to turn over 50 million. So I'm behaving now like the chief executive of a company turning over 50 million, not a company that's turning over 7 million. And, I don't, and if people don't like that, then they, they can leave. You know, that's why in the last strategy meeting, I said, you, you guys need to understand we're an apple shop. We're selling apples. If you want to be in the shop that's selling pears, you're in the wrong shop. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I like that. So, you know, if, if people if people don't if people can't get used to being in a culture of a business that's going to gear up to turning fifty million pounds, then they need to get out because that's where I am. You know? My final question on this on the podcast before we get to the the song that you've chosen, <laughs> when we when we talk about just then the the fear perhaps of saying, well, we, we brought somebody in, it's going to cost me this much, but that's a great thing, but that's a worrying thing. Is the process shorter is that what experience does to you the, the the process of getting over that fear and perhaps worrying about something is shorter because very quickly um your, your brain corrects it and says well actually i've worked all this out and, and perhaps you can work it out quicker because of experience yes but i think you know again one of one of one of paul's many sayings is money helps you make better decisions and not having money makes it harder to make good decisions so uh, I think that is the defining point. So if you take yourself, you know, 
Um, when you first said to me, hey, actually, I really like what you're doing. I, I would actually like to consider working full-time with you. It was like, oh, cool, I didn't see that coming, right? And you could tell my first reaction was not negative, but not sure about that. Almost no. Processing. You know, Needed almost like process. that's a step too far. You know, that's, uh, I can't go from having, you know, 20% of Ben to 100% of Ben. Crikey, you know. And then within minutes, probably within an hour of that first reaction, then the cerebral bit kicked in and it's like, well, hang on a minute. Uh, if this is, this is a bit of a unique opportunity here, let's turn this around now. You know, so, so the shock bit was always a shock, if you like, in a nice way, you know. And then you sit there and you think, actually, then there's an opportunity because if, if, um, if, if we work with Ben, then we're going to be able to do this and this and this. Then if you actually believe what you're talking about, you should want to do that. So then it, it went, then it simply became a process of negotiation with you. Okay, yeah, this is the right thing to do. I'm actually quite excited about it. Still a little bit of fear in there, 2% or something, but it's the right thing to do. That's what we're going to do. And the last one, I'm going to end this on a light-hearted note. So those decision-making processes, and I can, we can just imagine now what you were going through, whether it's that decision or something else. Where does Paul do his 10-minute, an hour, where the brain engages processing? Is it on the bike? Is it, is it in the bath? Is it in uh, sleep? Is it going for a walk? Or is, there any, is it anywhere? Over the, over the greater part of the 26 years, and certainly... Um, the first 20, the answer to that question would be almost exclusively on my bicycle. So I've probably, probably in the first 20 years of Aspen Weight would have cycled 100,000 miles, probably. Wow. Much as that. And it, I used to say it used to take me 10 miles to calm down because I, I was quite stressed, you know, whatever, or a lot of adrenaline. So say on a Saturday, which would be my big ride, so on a Saturday, if we go about 10 years ago, I would do 50 miles at least on a Saturday. And it would probably take me 10 miles to get to some form of equanimity in myself. And then once that, I'd got to peace, because obviously one of the great things about living where I am, you know, you, after 10 miles, I'm right out there looking at wonderful wildlife, unique yeah. wetlands, you know, that sort of thing. Um, if I want to, I can not see anyone for hours, you know, if, if I wanted to. Um, so I used, to, I used to sit on there and, and do an awful lot of reflection, not necessarily consciously thinking, but more taking the scenery and allowing that to, to come in. Over the last few years, um, there's only actually recently I've started cycling again anything, with anything like conviction. So I think I've got used actually to um, just having inspiration pretty much any time. 24-7, you know, I don't need to be in a certain place. But you like your music as well, is that, is, that, is that part of a, would you ever put a track on or an album or put music on to think or contemplate? No, actually, probably be more true to say that I do the opposite. If I'm in a serious mood or I'm not necessarily so I'm troubled or something, I won't listen to any music at all. So I might, if I was, if I was unresolved about something, uh, I would get in my car and I would drive in silence often the best place to, to have a so think that, yeah that's that's what i would do but as you say i think i mean music is um an incredibly important thing tina and i were driving up this morning and the summer of 69 came on and i said to tina 
uh, if I'd had a couple of drinks and I was boogieing around, that would be the song I would most want a DJ to play, for instance. I just find it very, very uplifting, you know. The whole, uh, quite a few, uh, there's a couple of Brian Adams songs I find incredibly uplifting. But um, if we're moving on to the track this week, so... Um, there's a link there. See, anyone to think this has, has a script, this podcast, because that's bringing you back onto music. <laughs> so you've chosen a great track this week. Yeah, well, I think so. Um, so this is a track called Yes by McColmont and Butler. Um, it's a, a, a McColmont has got a, a unique voice, uh, incredibly uh, high range. Uh, Butler was um, basically the number two man in Suede, incredibly infle- influential, well-respected um, guitarist and musician. And to me, this is this is undoubtedly one of the best songs that's ever been written. Um, it's 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 quite unique. I don't think it sounds like anybody anything else. I love the way it starts, the the drum beat. The way it starts, the, the 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 key in which the song is sung in. Uh, I, I personally like all types of music. So that ranges from cheesy stuff right through to classical. And one of the things I particularly like is uh, the marriage of, for instance, contemporary music with things like violins. So what you get quite early on in this song is you get the comes in, you know, you want to know, and the violins start playing. It's just you know, incredibly wonderful. So uh, is it, I, I, I was thinking about a song for today and I just thought we can't get much more um, sort of uplifting than yes, can you? Yes. Great. So yes, we can do it. Yeah. Thank you uh, so much, Paul. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe if you haven't already uh, and share and do leave your comments as well for us and we'll read some of those out uh, on the next podcast and we'll see you next time.